Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to My Millennial Property. You're with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Now, John, for some people, it might be their very first time tuning in and how lucky you are to tune in. But I just thought it might be a timely reminder. Um, of course, please keep listening to this episode. But there are quite a few episodes we've done across a couple of different seasons. Now, one episode in particular that might be good to earmark for you is back from 2020. It's episode number 251 and it's titled alternative ways to find properties. Now, Earmarket is the next one that you listen to because if you are on your property buying journey and you're trying to be inventive and think out of the box, this could be a great one for you to listen to, but only after you've listened to this episode, okay? (laughs) In order. In order. So, let's get cracking into today's episode. Let's do it. Now, John, it's pretty clear that I spend a fair bit of time in the old My Millennial Money Facebook group. Um, I love a good tag. I like replying. I like helping where we can. You do, yes. And well done. The only problem is I need to remember what I respond to because every time we go to record, we've got to go back and cross-check. But there are a few things we wanted to unpack today and Glenn James has tagged us in, in a post and said, sounds like your problem property peeps. Passing the butt to us, really. Which is fine. That's okay. So, Claire Eisen has um, asked that uh, she would love an episode about the pros and cons of subletting houses and what is involved. Now, I don't know that this requires a whole episode itself because we're going to unpack some other things, but great question, Claire. So, let's unpack it for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I actually came across this a couple of months ago with a client. They wanted to buy an investment property in the town where their daughter was first going to university. Uh-huh. And and their model was, let's go and buy this property. Our daughter will be catered for, for the duration of her four years at university. Uh, we think it's a good town to invest in anyway, but uh, she can or we can um, basically sublet the other rooms to to her friends and uh, it's a win-win. She gets to, to live with other people, experience the uni life and they get to to get have a well, have a cash flow uh, position that, that helps their investment property and uh, hopefully that property builds over time as well. So yeah, that that's a really good way of um, of looking at it, provided that the strategy works for them, of course, and it's not just to, to house their daughter. But um, there's there's many variations of this, isn't there? Well, that's the biggest thing. And just as you're explaining that, my little brain was ticking over and I was thinking like, is there a formal agreement in place with the people who sublet? You know, what's 
the is the rent um, equal to market value? There's quite a few things that I guess if you're going down a private rental uh, pathway, mm. that can go one way or the other. So. I don't know, do you know in that situation if they had done some sort of agreement, like written agreement with the other people who were subletting? Yeah, and and we did speak about this to them because it was literally their first time uh, going through that process. So I said, look, I would uh, get a property manager involved anyway because it just keeps them separate from the, the, the source of the, the tenants, I suppose. And, and then it's very clear when they're, when they're moving out and, and paying bonds and everything else. So it's pretty much business as usual, or that's what I recommended to them. Now, there are situations where obviously the other, if it's say a four bedroom house and uh, she, the, the daughter is renting that one room, there's still three rooms spare and they can sublet those out just with with cash or direct into their to their bank account now that has some some tax implications there so you just need to make sure and and I know she spoke about the pros and cons of um, of this uh, exercise one of the cons is making sure that you track that income correctly mm-hmm. and you don't have a have an alert come up from the ATO saying, "Hang on, what's where, where's all this cash coming from?" So, so that needs to be well documented in a way. So, talking to your accountant before you go about that. Definitely, and I think another case scenario, and particularly for first home buyers, to help them with their mortgage repayments, could be that the person who owns the house, so it's not an investment; it's actually an owner-occupied uh, residence, has you know maybe bought a three-bedroom home to grow into over time, but at the moment it's just a young couple, and they want to maybe let out one of the rooms and have the other as a study, whatever it might be. And they've sort of set their own private rent and they are effectively just sort of paying cash. And I think that's where people are nervous about getting caught out. And also, again, a con, if it's not a signed rental agreement with somebody sort of stepping in the middle to collect that rent or a bond or even have rules around the condition and the treatment of the property, that could get a little bit ugly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my my thinking around this, not sure what you're thinking, Emily, but regardless of the situation, I would have a, a property manager involved to basically cut out all of that middle work, the bond, the the inspections, all that stuff. So that's it's business as usual from that point of view. Um, you just may know the person that's that's living in in your house or in in a, a dwelling on your property. Definitely. Now I'm not sure if you probably have more technicality ability than I do when it comes to this, or maybe we need an accountant to loop back in on this. But from the position of owning a home and, you know, you've told your bank that you're you're owning it and you're treated as an owner-occupier, um, if you then start having an income from your property, does that now mean it's an investment property or what does that look like in the eyes of the ATO and also mm. the banks? Yeah, I was chatting to my accountant about this a couple of weeks ago, actually. It is a bit of a grey area um, and it depends on how long you own the property. Uh, You're allowed to obviously choose one property as your principal place of residence for CGT purposes, capital gains tax purposes. Uh, But if you are generating an income from it on the books, um, 
not not cash under the pillow, then it it will have an implication on your um, capital gains tax when it come when you come to sell that property. So just be aware of that, um, and but chat to your accountant before that because there's many variations of of that uh, of that ruling. Uh, but I, one one thing I thought of was there's a few different ways that we can sublet. Now it's the example I gave with my client and their daughter. It was a four-bedroom house, three-bedroom spare, but uh, there's the other option where there's a granny flat mm. out the back or it's a duplex and, you, and you've got um, one house essentially spare, spare from the two. So it's a very different uh, look, isn't it, where you might never see the person that's subletting on your land because they're living in a completely different dwelling. Yeah, that's a very valid point and quite a common one for, you know, obviously – week-to-week, maybe longer-term rentals, but also for the purposes of Airbnb, a lot of those um, granny flats can be used for for some extra income. Now, we did do an episode, we'll put it in the show notes, we actually did an episode specific to um, Airbnbs and also to the rule changes that happened or are coming uh, in New South Wales that you might want to be across if you're a uh, resident of New South Wales. Um, But certainly, it seems to be quite popular. People are looking for extra ways to bring in some money to help pay that mortgage faster and generate an income from something they're also uh, investing in per se. So interesting topic, I think. Um, In terms of pros and cons more generally, I think it's sort of, to me personally, I feel like it balances out. Like I don't think there's more pros than cons necessarily. I think you need to be aware of what you're getting yourself into, as you suggested, to have a property manager involved, so there is a middleman, um, reduces a lot of risk. I think there would be more cons if you were to do it privately because your ability to manage your tenant um, without having someone in the middle could be a bit challenging. Yeah, totally. And, and it is very common for first home buyers because they want to take on a mortgage for the first time and they want to minimise the, the costs in their life. Let's let out the other two rooms, whether that be to people they know or people they don't know. And and one thing that really comes into play with this is, like I, I went to university for, for four years and, and lived with probably over the duration of the four years, maybe seven or eight different people from time to time. And there was at one stage five of us in the one house. So that was a bit hairy. Oh, gosh. Um, But (laughs) understanding what type of personality you are, like if you're an introvert and you're just doing this for the cash, that that could also blow up on you because you don't really want to be around people or have to talk to people too much and and that could impact the way you run your life. I feel like we should start a thread on the Facebook group like horror housemate stories, not because like we want to scare anybody off, but just because I find them so entertaining and funny and I'm sure there's people who are, you know, that sort of introverted personality and maybe being paired with someone who's super extrovert as a housemate or just people who don't know how to live with other people. That's a very common one. I feel like that yeah. should be a thread that we could maybe um, read out some of those comments in a in a future episode because I'm sure it would get a bit of a laugh. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, and, and my nephew will hate me for saying this if he's taking a listen. Hello, Jack. Um, <laughs> he was asking me the other day about going off to uni and living with his girlfriend. And Ooh. I'm like, mate, that's got disaster written all over it, um, <laughs> especially when you've got a couple of your mates living there as well. Like just go and live your life separately. But this, it's understanding your personality and everyone else who's in the house with you to, to ensure that you're, you're living your best version of your life. A harmonious house is what you want, particularly when you're sharing, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's a really good question. 
Definitely. And I think um, a lot of people will find value in that and of what to consider. But I think bottom line is before you do anything, speak to your accountant to understand the tax implications long term of what that decision means for subletting your home. Now, John, we've spoken about rent vesting a lot uh, across our episodes to date. And one thing I think we've really focused on has been about the investor. What we haven't really focused on is the renter, the tenant. So, Chelsea Eve posted in the Facebook group not too long ago and her post reads, hello, I am in the process of moving out into a rental for the first time. What should I keep in mind? Any tips you have for first time renters? Now, our amazing community jumped on. There's like in excess of 30 comments on this post. (laughs) Um, And there's some interesting comments on there as to what to do and what not to do. So maybe we can start with them and then we can chime in with what we think. Someone said, do not get a cat. I'm a landlord (laughs) and my carpet and curtains are ruined. Please, for the sake of your landlord, do not get a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Do we deem that as good advice? Well, yeah, and, and and that reminds me of of definite laws that are continuing to change in each of the states, mm. and and a lot of them are now are, are more in favour of the tenant, I would say. So, and and you and Vic, Emily, know that um, your standards have changed in the last. I think it was March this year they brought out some new standards that will take place over the next few years. But um, yeah, that would be my first tip: is check your um, I suppose entitlements as a as a tenant, and see what you can and can't do because the the cat might be one example, um, and there's there's probably a huge amount of uh, pet lovers out there that uh, just think yeah I'll, I'll, it's a no it's a game changer if I can't have my my um, pet in with me. Yeah, definitely check the rules specific to each of your states um, in Victoria that you know recently changed. Basically means that you you can have a pet regardless, like you can't unreasonably refuse a pet. Um, So yeah, check that out. Now, another one of our loyal community members, Scott Field said, make sure you do a walkthrough, bring an OCD friend uh, of the place before you move in, take photos, note down every little thing wrong so the owner doesn't try and charge you to fix it when you move out. Now that comment alone had 18 likes on it. So a lot of people agreed with that. Now, for people who are first time renting, really important to note that when you move into the rental, you will be given a condition report. This report Mm. is photographic evidence taken by the property manager. Now, keep in mind, the property manager is the middle ground between the tenant and the landlord. So sometimes, you know, you've got to work out which side they are going for, but they go in there and they do the report and they leave commentary around things that are pre-existing issues. The best thing you can do, it's usually if you've got to return it back around within three days in most states, the best thing you can do is be super thorough and cross-check that report and provide any additional photographic evidence or commentary that gets added into it. Because that's kind of like, that's the gospel there. It's sitting there. That is the photographic evidence from the get-go um, that will help you when you go to move out to ensure you get your bond returned. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and even going back a step, and again, I had this conversation with my nephew as a first-time uh, potential renter or a tenant, 
it's putting your best case forward to actually get approved in a market or markets around the country right now that the vacancy rates are so tight, you're competing with maybe 20, 25 others wanting that same property, aren't you? So uh, you, they're going to be checking out your socials. They're going to see what, what you do on the weekend. So just make sure you, you're squeaky clean before you go and apply for the, the properties that you're after and, and you've got good references and you and they, they'll, they'll check your bank statements in some cases so they'll do an overhaul of your life and if, and if you don't read well then you you might be put to the bottom of the pile it's a really good point particularly for first-time renters when you don't have a rental history you know on on record as such apart from maybe paying some board to mum and dad or something along those lines it's really important to present as best as you can now nicole uh, also commented on this post and said make sure you get everything in writing on email between you and the agent especially if something has been agreed or approved verbally. This is great advice. Um, Mm. And so, for example, if you've had the phone call, following that phone call, you know, thank you for your chat earlier about the leaky tap we have reported in our property, just confirming this has been approved to be fixed, so on and so forth. So, Mm. the lesson out of that is it's not deemed approved unless it is in writing. Yeah, correct. Yeah, as you said before... at the end of the day, the outcome is to live happily in the place that you're living in and get your bond back to when you leave, right? If, you, if you've achieved that, then that's your sole purpose, I think, right? So everything leads towards that time when, you, when you're leaving and, and just make sure that that correspondence is clear with the property manager. And, and I, I don't know about you, Emily, but I've, when I was rent vesting, I had some really good property managers and I had some awful ones, right? Some were batting for us, some were batting against us. So just really understand who you're dealing with and and make note of everything that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it is hard to know because they're the middleman. It's some hard, sometimes hard to know what side of the fence they're actually on when things pop up. So yeah, definitely go into bat for yourself. Now, just to um, round this feed out of all these comments, one to close out with is from Abby Matisse. And Abby says, Remember to be proud of yourself. Sometimes when we're renting, it can feel like a chore and you might cry at the checkout when you go and get your groceries. I promise you, you will look back at every new challenge fondly. Go you for renting. I think that's so important because it is a massive milestone to be a first-time renter. Um, And it's, for a lot of people, a step into real adulthood, you know, paying rent, paying bills um, and having a level of independence. So if you're listening and this is you, you're about to be a first-time renter, good on you, a good step in the right direction. Absolutely it is. And and just on those, those bills and the, the rent cost per week, mm. just I'm sure everyone's doing this that's listening, but just really understand your costs because yeah. if, you, if you're coming out of the house of mum and dad, the, uh, the life changes from a financial perspective, doesn't it? So really... Uh, don't underestimate those costs. Just talk to as many people as you can about what the what you would expect those costs to be on a, on a monthly basis. Most definitely. Now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with some more commentary from the Facebook group. We are sort of diving into our Facebook group to... Uh, look at some of the conversation that's been going on and share it with you. I know not everybody has time to endlessly scroll through Facebook, so this will fast track it for you. We'll be back in just a second with some more. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. John, Courtney France has asked a great question and she's actually been very vulnerable in sharing this with us. So she says, I'm having a bit of a moment of a meltdown. I've been planning to buy my own one better apartment in Melbourne's inner east or inner southeast and I have pre-approval organised to do this so I'm seriously looking. But now I'm thinking maybe I should be rent vesting instead and get a good size single family home out in regional Vic on a on a decent lot of land, the loan size would actually be significantly less and I could pay it off reasonably quickly without any stress and it would mean not having to pay things like LMI and no owner's court fees and it would mean paying stamp duty because I'm not living them on my own. I don't get the exemption for the first home buyer's um, stamp duty concession. What are your thoughts or opinion? I've heard that a three-bedroom house is always better option than a one-bedroom apartment. Is that still true when you're talking metro versus regional? Well, what a dilemma. What a dilemma. Yeah. So first of all, well done on putting your hand up and saying, I need some help. Uh, Regional versus city. So we've we've covered this topic before, haven't we? Uh, Don't know the episode number, but we've spoken about it. And we've spoken about apartment or unit versus house. So I think we need to understand uh, what our, our long-term outcome is. And, and what I mean by that is if we're living in the city and we enjoy the city and we're going to live there for the next 20, 30, 40 years and we want to live in our own home soon, financially that may not be the best decision but it may be the best lifestyle decision for the individual. Yes, correct. And this word lifestyle does get thrown around a lot when it comes to this decision between rent versing versus owning at that point in time, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Because, um, yeah, look, I, I would definitely agree that 
three-bedroom house on five, six, seven hundred square metres of land, you've got ability to change, add value, improve more so than you have a one-bedroom apartment that sits five storeys up in a, in a complex of a hundred properties. Um, so, but it yeah, really comes down to your personal situation. And and I actually had a clarity call this morning before we uh, recorded about this exact thing where this person bought a property the first time three years ago and took advantage of the stamp duty concessions and that was all they were looking at. They just looked at the pure savings of I can save 25, 30 grand if I buy this property to live in for the next 12 months but now three years later they've realised, hang on a minute, uh, that wasn't the best decision and I wish I had of uh, looked at other options. So it's, it's a really common one for first home buyers. So look that long term, don't don't just keep an eye on the on the short term. Yeah, I would echo that. I think there can be a lot of tunnel vision around um, the stamp duty uh, exemptions and concessions when it comes to first home buyers. Um, and also a lot of people limiting themselves. It's not uh, uncommon for people to be pre-approved for a higher amount than the uh, concession threshold, for example, 600000 They might actually be approved for 750000 but their mental barrier between not wanting to pay stamp duty could actually result in a property purchase that A, might not suit them and B, might not have been the best option for long-term growth in, in their plans. So, mm. yeah, I think if you are debating this rent vesting versus um, buying your own home first, as John mentioned, he was on a clarity call with a client earlier this morning. So, a clarity call with John is exactly that, a call to get some clarity across what you should do based on your personal circumstances because as much as there is value in this podcast, this is also very generic and general advice. It's not um, individual specific. Um, there are links in the show notes to book a clarity call with John and I've recommended quite a few people across to John to do that um, because he is a man who can help and can certainly give you the clarity that you need. So go and check that out. Now, one last thing for the episode today, John, is I'm not going to be a dibber dobber or name names or anything. Let's just <laughs> take the post for what it is. And were you, were you one of those people at school? Oh, depends. Depends if it morally <laughs> conflicted with with myself as to if I would dibber dob. Um, yeah. You know things like if I knew someone was stealing money. Yes. Yes. That's not. On. Um, if somebody was you know sneakily getting away with something that wasn't too impactful, no. But you mm. know, you take it as it comes. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so the general topic is around seeking out investment or groups or property groups to help you buy an investment property. Now, you and I being in the industry, we know when we can sense something is genuine and and people are doing the right thing and it's a solid operation. On the flip side, we also know when things are a little bit dodgy and we know the warning signs to look out for. But unfortunately, advertisements that have some really good marketing behind them, some really compelling figures behind them can see buyers in a bit of a trap. And so I'm referring to these sort of, we call them property spruikers. Um, Don't we? I I mean, what does it actually mean? I say that, but I don't really... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, I suppose what uh, what we're saying is you've got to have your eyes wide open, don't you? You've got to be able to look at your situation and say, well, does that suit my financial position? Is that the strategy I'm after? 
or am I simply seeing the glossy brochures and because that price point fits my capacity um, and, and understanding how how they do get remunerated. Um, so if, if they're not charging anything up front, that's cool. Um, if they are getting paid, um, who are they getting paid from, right? So and, and that's needs to be transparent through the process so that's 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 all we're saying is just ask the questions everyone needs to get paid in life for the work they do but just ask the questions before you enter into something like that and and just see well okay if it's brand new uh two-bedroom apartment that you're after is that is that really your strategy and what else is out there um like when we go to anz they're not going to tell you that westpac's a better lending institution than them or have a better offer so if um that that's why you and i do what we do emily is, is we can look across all options to be able to buy something that's going to suit the the client the best um not just the one that you get paid the most by yeah most definitely and another thing a little tip in there as well is don't be afraid to ask whoever you're you know consulting with if you can speak to one of their previous clients particularly if they don't have too many reviews online um, or maybe there's just one video of someone from a few years ago that they've got on there just don't be afraid to say you know do you mind if I speak to someone who recently purchased through you and and you know what their experience was like and you know 90% of the time people are more than happy to do so particularly if they're a very reputable firm Um, but yeah don't be afraid to do your due diligence at the end of the day buying a property in whatever capacity is a very large investment it's probably the biggest unless you've got a mad car obsession that warrants a big price tag it's probably the most amount of money you will put into something so doing your due diligence around having your a team involved in that is really crucial to make sure a they're good at what they do and b that you like them. I think it's so important to like the people that you're working with, right? If you're going to be speaking to them a lot. Um, it, totally. Yeah, yeah, really important yeah. to um, be on the same page. Mm, yeah, 100%. Well, I think that rounds out today's episode. Um, I'm always you know, keeping my eye on that Facebook group, seeing what's in there. If you're sort of like, what's this Facebook group we keep talking about? So, uh, it's the My Millennial Money Facebook group, which I guess My Millennial Money is the umbrella for all the other podcasts that are um, under the brand. So we've got obviously the property podcast, we've got health, we've got careers, we've got Gen Z money. Um, There's all sorts of podcasts that are under the one roof, but the My Millennial Money Facebook group is where everybody posts for um, questions to be answered and get some advice. Yeah, and as you said before at the start, Emily, a lot of people do post in with questions and comments, which is awesome. Uh, but a lot of people don't actually have a Facebook account or don't log on that regularly, including myself. Um, so it, it is it's it's great for those who aren't in it um, to be able to have uh, get a feel for what people are asking out there. And generally, with most questions, we're we're if we're not asking them, we're thinking them. That's very true. And it's just a matter of someone putting their hand up and asking for help and it helps the majority. So if you've ever contributed to a question, thank you so much. We love hearing from you. And just in closing, if you have gotten value out of today's episode or any other episode you've listened to on the podcast, please do leave us a little review. It makes our day and we do a little happy dance in the background when we see a review come through. We'd love to hear what you enjoy in the podcast and any feedback of what you'd like to um, hear more of as well. So thank you so much for, um, for tuning in and partaking. 
Any closing words, John? No, just uh, live the best version of your day. Love that. Love that. Well, we will be back here next week. Thank you for tuning in and we'll speak with you soon. Okay, bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.